What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to another episode of Locked on Dolphins. It's Power to the Pod, Week 17 edition. Miami Dolphins have two games left to play, sitting at 8-7. and seven. And today's show, Power to the Pod, it's all about you. Your questions, your topics, your hot takes, you name it. Friday this week, it's all about the things that you, the listeners of this show, want to talk about. So what are we going to talk about? I don't know. Let's find out together. Here on another episode, Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Locked on Dolphins. This is your host, Kyle Krabs. Ready to roll here on a Friday edition of the podcast. We are live on the YouTube channel Thursday night. We got the gang together. Uh, make sure you hit subscribe to the YouTube channel, Locked on Dolphins. Like the video if you're interested, partaking. That way you get the push notifications when we do go live. Uh, but if you're a podcast listener, I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Uh, there are so many members of this community. It's really great. And I love that this season has taken a turn for the better. Uh, so that way we um, we can enjoy this third season under Brian Flores and the rebuild and the momentum is back. And uh, there's, there's a lot of energy right now going into a cold weather game against Tennessee week 17. And uh, we'll see how the Dolphins choose to handle that opportunity. Uh, but it's power to the pod, which means it's everything you guys want to talk about. I see you guys in the live section uh, popping off some comments, but of course, as is customary on power to the pod, we are doing some reviews, questions first. Leave a five-star review of the show. Guaranteed, get to your question. And uh, we're going to go ahead and start with one from Main Event, uh, which was left last week. Uh, is the prospect of Philip Lindsay and Duke Johnson being in the Dolphins' backfield next year enough to shy away from a higher-profile rookie in the offseason? I'll say this about the rookie running back class. I don't think there is a first-round back in this year's class. I don't know that there's a top 50 back in this year's class. To be completely honest, the running back group this year is Isaiah Spiller, who's okay. He's rock solid all around, but he's he's not super sexy. He's not somebody who I'd be falling over myself to draft if I was the Dolphins in the 20s or uh, even in the, the mid-40s. Uh, I think you're going to have a more appealing options. And I like Kenneth Walker a lot, but Kenneth Walker is somebody who... Uh, I don't think his third down skill set is particularly good. And, you know, if you do have Philip Lindsay and, and Duke Johnson, those guys can, and Miles Gaskin, presumably, you can have them take some of those third down reps. Uh, but I don't think Philip Lindsay and Duke Johnson is enough for you to just call it a day and say, yeah, we're good. I would be interested in a top five, top six back. and I, Or alternatively, maybe you want to look to free agency if that's going to be a five or six million dollar investment to bring somebody in who's established at the NFL le uh, level to be an early down listener. Um, this is just a couple options, but I don't think what they have, they can look at and say, yeah, let's go ahead and draft another guy in the sixth round and call it a day. We're good to go. I think they need more from that group. They need somebody who can do a little bit of everything and Duke Phillip, they, they run angry, but they're still not big guys. And I don't think you can replace having a dynamic 215, 220-pound back if you can get your hands on one. Uh, Jine Poo question. Let's talk about X is his review title. 
Uh, we have to talk about the, and I'm phrasing here, poor tackle attempt on the Jets opening drive on third and goal from a couple of weeks ago with Xavier Howard. I'm a big ex supporter, but that was a hard one to swallow. I wouldn't even call it a tackle attempt more of an aggressive hug. When a team leader and someone looking to get paid puts that type of effort on tape makes me cringe and the team has to see it. Your thoughts. Yeah. I don't think X is getting paid to tackle though. Uh, I think everybody kind of understands Xavier made the business decision against the Buccaneers in the fourth quarter when the dolphins were down seven and made the business decision to just get out of the way of Fournette in the red zone. Uh, some underwhelming tackling efforts there is nothing new. Uh, and I think it's important to note that, you know, X is one of the more talented players on the team, but he hasn't been identified as a team captain. Uh, he's one of the most productive players on the team. But when you're one of the most productive players on the team and you do the things that Xavier Howard can do, you probably have a little bit more leeway. I'm not excusing it. I would love to see X try to wrap up instead of chop guys down and cut with low tackles. Um, but it's one of those that like one of the popular sayings is, is corners don't get paid to tackle, right? Corners get paid to cover, defend the pass and turn the ball over. And saving Howard does those things at a high level. So um, it's frustrating. I see it uh, and I get frustrated with it, but it's kind of, I don't want to say it is what it is, but that like, what are you going to do? Like, the guy's playing at a high level again this season. He's managed to stay healthy. I'm knocking on wood, so you can't blame me. Uh, if anything, heaven forbid happens. Uh, but he's been really good the last two years. He hasn't played to the standard he set last year, but we kind of expected that, that there was going to be a little bit of a statistical regression just based on the law of averages. Uh, Jay Feld, 26, review. Under the assumption we are able to land a quote-unquote top offensive tackle, center, and or wide receiver in free agency, while also re-signing Emmanuel Ogba and Mike Gusecki. What would your draft approach be, knowing that we need an upgrade at linebacker, possibly another corner, wide receiver, running back? And what is the order of importance for a team need perspective? Uh, so I'm reading this one, and I'm not going to get too far into the weeds because I don't want to get buried too far down the draft talk right now. Uh, but I think what the Dolphins managed to do this past year that they had a lot of success with was they drafted good football players, just draft talented players, right? And um, don't draft so much for need. Now, I think you're, uh, if you're checking your primary boxes in free agency and other acquisitions via trade or whatever else, you open that door for you to say, you know what, we're going to take really good players and we're going to let the chips fall where they may. And if we get a surplus, you could trade somebody for another player or anything like that. And I'm hopeful that the Dolphins can get to that spot through free agency where we feel comfortable being able to say, Hey, we're just going to draft the best players available and, and worry about the rest as we go. Uh, Waffle Derek want to acknowledge your question, but it is another one about needing potentially needing an RB one with Duke and Philip Lindsay. So I hope what I said earlier answered your question and waffle Derek, my daughter's favorite food, by the way, waffle. Uh, thank you for listening uh, to locked on dolphins. JT Seymour, got a couple more reviews, and then we're going to switch gears, go to the live questions. JT says, uh, first time asking a question. Thanks for it. Uh, love the show, the analytics, the proper amount of alcohol-driven cynicism. Uh, Waddle obviously has an immense amount of chemistry with Tua, but I think Parker does too. Peyton Manning's analysis and breakdown of the Giants game noted how unbeatable that outside shoulder sideline route that they've had Parker running is, even with crazy good coverage. My question is this, is keeping the Waddle-Parker combination becoming more and more crucial 
is it at all? I've heard a lot of talk that Parker's trade bait earlier in the year. And at this point, I'm in the camp that those two are perfect for Tua. Thanks for the read and thanks for what you do. So Devontae's obviously talented. Nobody's questioning whether or not Devontae Parker's a talented player. Uh, it, it's more so a matter of the economics of retaining Devontae Parker versus the availability issues that he has had. And I think it would be a mistake for the Dolphins to not have any changes in the wide receiver room to account for another player of his style of play. Um, and hopefully, you know, you can develop back shoulder chemistry uh, with any number of six foot two, six foot three guys. Parker's ball skills are obviously very good. Um, I wish I had more trust in him to stay healthy and be available for a full season. Uh, but that's not something he's consistently been able to do. And because of that, uh, it kind of puts you in a tough spot. Uh, I do, I think, do think they have chemistry on timing routes. I think you're right in that regard. And, and some of those uh, contested throws that he's able to throw him. Uh, but I think we all kind of knew coming into the off season that this wasn't necessarily a true strength of Tua's, you know, guys who had more separation and look at what he's doing with Jalen Watt. So it's, are you going to part ways with them and cut your nose off to spite your face or what is your alternative and answers? And if you bring in more, big time separators, if that is a decision you choose to make, I think you can compensate for it relatively well, but you'll still need someone with size. Uh, Larry with a question, did a Christmas Eve mock draft courtesy of the TDN simulator. Okay. Now you're talking my language and came out with Devin Lloyd linebacker, Utah, Kenneth Walker, running back, Michigan state, uh, defensive end, Zach Harrison at 100 Kobe Bryant, cornerback Cincinnati, and Micah McFadden, linebacker, uh, Indiana. What are your thoughts on these players and their fit with the Dolphins? Uh, Devin Lloyd's a home run fit. Uh, Kenneth Walker, 215, 220-pound, dynamic early down back. We already touched on him a little bit. I think he's a fit. I think he can create for himself a little bit. Uh, he came originally from Wake Forest. They did a lot of RPO stuff. A lot of slow play out of the mesh point, allowing blocks to develop, and then he he creates from there. Uh, I'm not a fan of Zach Harrison. I watch Zach Harrison, and the player I see is Charles Harris. I'm out. I don't care how many sacks Charles Harris has with Detroit this year because you know everybody remembers another first round bust in Taco Charlton was a big time bust in Dallas. Came to Miami, had a decent year, and it was oh like revived his career. No, it's it's you know you can get sacks in stretches. And uh, so, so Zach, I mean, it's not bad value at 100 because he was a former five-star, like top 20 recruit in the entire country at one point in time. But I would sell on Zach Harrison. Kobe Bryant's very much a Dolphins type corner. So I think all in all, Larry, you did a great job with that. Uh, Dade, is it supposed to be David? Dade, uh, celebrating my engagement at Dolphins Titans games. Are you planning on making the trip out to Nashville? Would love to meet you. First and foremost, congratulations my friend, on the engagement. Uh, I will not be in Nashville, unfortunately. I will be in Miami the following week for Dolphins-Patriots. I know that this was a game that I had kind of soft circle, but with the holiday and all that kind of stuff and trying to figure out something to do with uh, my daughter, it, it would have been a couple too many steps for me to have to take. Before we go any further, I'm going to tell you about our friends over at Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. 100% chocolate on other bars. They're absolutely positively delicious. 
they are legitimately top of the first round as far as protein bars go. You know, a lot of these protein bars, it's like you're chewing on the sole of your shoe or something like that. They're really chalky, brittle, and not built bar. Built bar is like a, a three musketeers, but a protein bar. It's like one of the ultimate life hacks in life. And right now you can go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and save 15% off your next order. That's built.com, promo code LOCK15 to save 15%. Let's see here. Uh, I do have a couple more iTunes reviews, but I do want to reward those of you who are leaving comments uh, in the comments section because the chat is bumping tonight. Uh, so shout out to guys like William and TLC and uh, Reezy and the ghost of Adam Gase. What's up, Paul, Alex, uh, Mike, Zach, Doug canceled an IG massage uh, for power to the pot. Props. A banana crap shoot wants to know whose house we need to TP for Zach Thomas. If, if Zach Thomas does not make it in, into Canton this year, I don't know. Uh, I I'll tell you what, I do look at the finalist list though. And I feel like this is a really good opportunity in Zach uh, for Zach to get in. If Zach does not get in this year, then I worry he's going to be one of those guys who's in limbo for a long time. Uh, so, you looked at last year's class and you kind of had the impression, okay, there's going to be a couple first ballot guys that are going to be home run locks. Like it's, it's going to be really tight this year. I think Zach's got a really good chance. And if he doesn't get in, then I just say we go to Canton and TP the whole place. I mean, that's, that's what I would recommend. Uh, Indade wants to know how much better is Devin Lloyd in the first round to Darian Beavers in the second round. Devin Lloyd is an absolute stud. Uh, we just did our TDM 100 update for the top 100 prospects in this year's draft class. Der uh, Devin Lloyd's a top 10 player in this year's class. Now, positional value-wise, predictably, he's not going to get drafted there. But as far as raw talent and, and resume goes, he's an absolute stud. It would not, And I'm very much one of those draft guys who will be like, you can get X in the first round or X in the second round, X in the third round at 85%. Uh, I wouldn't play that game with Devin Lloyd. You would have to have like a stud wide receiver who's available to you uh, or a stud offensive lineman that you feel is like a slam dunk, no questions asked. For me to feel like Devin Lloyd probably wouldn't be the most logical fit for Miami. Uh, Jason wants to know if you think two will be ruined even when we get a good offensive line because he's always had to keep his head on a swivel. No, I don't think so. I think he's performed well enough. And I think he's instinctual enough. I know Tua has his limitations too, and he has his growth that he needs to make. But his feel of pressure has always been a plus. And I don't I don't get the sense that he's rushed and frantic. I think he understands conceptually what the Dolphins are calling. Uh, they are doing a lot of shallow drops. It's not like they're doing five or seven step drop game and and no, I don't know how familiar you guys are with route combinations versus the depth of a quarterback's drop, but usually the depth of the routes is tied to the depth of the drop. You don't see Tua taking seven-step drops and hitching out of a seven-step drop to try and throw the ball down the field. They Everything is that's called is by design quick, and I think it's in part because that's what Tua does best right now. I think it's in part because they are coaching around the deficiency of the offensive line. Um and he's he's done relatively well with negotiating that pressure and understanding when those opportunities are there to stand in the pocket and step up. 
He gets blasted a couple times like he did uh, against the Saints on Monday Night Football with the fumble. But uh, I think he's okay. And I haven't seen enough that would have me super concerned. William, I read somewhere that it's supposed to be in the 30s with possible snow Sunday in Tennessee. I've heard it's going to be cold. Uh, yeah, like mid-30s. Uh, we're going to need to pound the rock. I think you, this is one of the advantages of if you are an offense that does not push the ball vertically with a lot of consistency. I don't think it's going to be a, a blizzard, right? And if it's a blizzard, then yeah, things are going to get really sloppy. I don't think they're calling for blizzard. And, and and that means I think you can get away with a lot of your quick game and in, inside of 10 yards and not be too compromised. You know, two, he's got 10 inch hands. He's got nice si hand size to be able to grip the ball in inclement weather. Um, I don't, th I think it would impact Tennessee's passing game much more than it would impact Miami's passing game. If you're looking for silver linings and then, then it's just the cold, but let's not act like Tennessee's like new England or green Bay. Like they're still South of uh, the, the Mason Dixon. This is not a cold weather team. It just is going to happen to be cold in this contest. That's all. Uh, let me see here. Zach wants to know if Dante Foreman scares you at all. I, I certainly think you have to acknowledge that Tennessee runs the football very well. Uh, they are a physical football team up front. They're getting Taylor Lawan back for this contest off the COVID list. So that's a big boost for them. Uh, I liked Dante Foreman coming out of Texas. I thought he was a good football player. Um, but anybody who's not Derrick Henry, like, I'll take my chances with, personally. That's how I choose to look at it. Uh, Durr, want to thank you for tuning in. Our friend, first time listening, 2 a.m. in Germany. Man, I hope I'm not keeping you up. Big fan and daily listener. Keep up the good work. Thank you for listening. I'm going to switch gears. We'll go back to the iTunes reviews. Now we're going to come back to the comments section. Juggling a lot of things here. I feel like we're doing okay, though. Let me see. Uh, Chad Miami Dolphins left a five-star review of the show. Not a question, but a mini rant. Okay, I'll give, you, I'll give your mini rant a voice here. I've been a fan for over 20 years and have never heard so much poo-pooing on wins and quality of schedule by people both on social media and in the national media during than during this Dolphins win streak. I'm definitely not in the Dolphins get no respect crowd, but this is getting ridiculous. Now they are even dismissing the Ravens win because it was on a Thursday. It's not college football. We don't make our own schedule and we've played the exact same teams as Buffalo and new England. Yet we hear nothing about those teams quality of wins after a one and seven start. I'm not taking anything for granted. We'll continue to enjoy our victory Mondays. That seems like a really sound logical place to be. You want to play the game and ask the questions about how good the team actually is and the sustainability of what you did during that stretch. Do it when the season's over, right? I mean, that's how I'm choosing to look at it. Like, yes, I understand there are, there are continued deficiencies with this team that exists now that existed when the team was one and seven that led you to be one and seven. I don't really care about, you know, we can talk about how to fix those problems when we actually have opportunities to fix them. What's clear is from a coaching perspective, they've made adjustments. They've gotten more complex. Their young guys have learned on the job, and it's allowed them to play their style of football. Now, how sustainable that is, I think we're going to find out over the next two weeks. 
how much of it has been strength of schedule versus the actual changes that have been made. But like, you're not going to change coaches right now. You're not going to change your GM. You're not going to find a new right tackle. You're just not. So I'm not going to worry about the quality of the wins. I'm going to enjoy the wins because for the first eight weeks of the season, we had one. And I think you're absolutely in the right headspace with that, Chad, personally. Uh, Bruns, pumped to see Miami make it eight in a row this week in Tennessee. Man, let's speak it into existence and a TDN Top 100 coming out. Curious to see, will you have Chris Olave and Traylon Burks ranked? Who would you prefer to see paired with Waddle in Miami? This is a fun question. Okay. Um, And Bruns is a Ohio State fan, which is worth mentioning. So I think about the wide receivers Miami has gone after to have on the roster now, right? You had Will Fuller was supposed to be a prominent piece of the offense. And I think Chris Olave can fill that kind of role. Wins vertically down the field at a very high rate. Sprinter background, ran a really fast 100 meter in high school. I think it was like a 10-7 something in the 100 meter dash. Like he, he can blaze. He's really, really fast. He doesn't have like that jaw-dropping initial acceleration, uh, but he's still very much a vertical receiver who tracks the ball well down the field. So if you want to replace the Will Fuller guy with a wide receiver in the first round, Chris Olave would probably be my pick to fill that kind of role. Traylon Burks, that's probably more the Devontae Parker type. Uh, Burks is tough. You want to see his, his resume, go watch how he played Alabama this year. He was phenomenal. We have two more iTunes reviews, and then we're going back to our friends in the live chat. Uh, FinFan927. Since we are towards the end of the season, a fair valuation can be made by this offensive line and the individuals. Robert Hunt is a staple at right guard, but realistically, what do you think we do with the other four spots? I feel they leave center, right guard, and left tackle alone. What are your thoughts? Do we sign or draft power or zone guys? That's a good question. Um, I agree. You probably leave center alone. I think Michael Dieter has played well, uh, and he's a bigger guy for the center position, which we know they like their size on the offensive line. Uh, they're definitely leaving Robert Hunt at right guard. If he survived the play of Jesse Davis next to him and the temptation to move him back, there ain't no way that they're moving Robert back after this because he's been phenomenal in the second half of the season. Uh, I think you'll probably get competition between Liam and Austin Jackson. I don't see either one of them getting off the team for a spot. Um, I would probably prefer it to be left guard, to be completely honest. Uh, I think Liam's lack of length has been challenging to play at tackle, and I would probably go out and try and get two new tackles. That's probably how I would choose to handle it at this point in time, but we'll see what the last two weeks and hopefully more brings in that regard. Last iTunes review uh, question comes from Reign of Taylor. I'm committing the sin of looking ahead, but for good reason. I don't know if I like where this is going, but that's fine. I'll, I'll at least hear you out. Looking at the next two QBs we are playing, love Tannehill, but despised his pocket presence. Definitely heat him up from the outside like we've been predominantly doing. By doing that, aren't we setting up Mac Jones perfectly to bring a significant amount of heat up the A-gaps due to his lack of mobility? If we blitz the A-gaps, we could get Phillips outside. Okay, so I see what you're saying. Trying to use your rush plans to set up 
one guy after another. Uh, I think it's much more matchup specific. I, I think the Dolphins have to look at the fronts and decide where they can get their best mismatches with their pass rushers versus blockers. Because at the end of the day, if you can heat up either one of these guys uh, and make them uncomfortable, that's that's when you really see them get rattled. I think Buffalo did a nice job of that against the the um, the Patriots in this this last game that they played. So I'd be looking more for the matchups along the offensive line as compared to the matchups uh, of the quarterbacks themselves. Bet online has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as the football season continues its march through the College Bowls and the Pro Football Playoffs. Bet online is your number one spot for all the football action this season and all sports everywhere. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON. Basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, so don't wait to take advantage of all their amazing new offers. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay. Let's finish this thing strong. Got a lot of questions in the YouTube chat. Oh no, I see the name Chris Sims on here. I'm going to try my best to enjoy to avoid that one. <laughs> uh, okay, let's go with Indy. Do you worry about Tan Hill's ability to read blitz better than the QBs we have faced? Um, yes and no. Uh, I think Ryan will probably have more answers at the line of scrimmage. Uh, but I do think Miami has the opportunity to try to win the line of scrimmage in both the run game and as pass rushers. Uh, I know the pass protection, uh, as we said yesterday with the crossover with locked on Titans has been a big problem for Tennessee. So if you can win some one-on-ones, like even if you identify it, I think Miami has two stud corners that could potentially win their, their individual matchups outside and, make that challenging nonetheless. So yes, I think you'll have more pre-snap answers, but I think Miami has some one-on-one athlete matchups uh, that they can lean into. And as long as those guys take care of business, I still think Miami will be in position to make him uncomfortable. You wants to know, how do you stop those rub routes and pick plays? Feels like it's one thing that consistently works against us because we play so much, man. So this is the challenge of playing the birds on a fence right? And playing catch coverage and playing off or simultaneously when you play everybody in press, right? Because um, when everybody on the back end is on the same line, that then sets the table for collisions and rubbing off of that. So usually to counter that, what you see is teams will get their guys on different levels where a guy's on the point and he's playing press and then the guy is stacked behind him and the rules are, okay, we're going to pass this thing off. So whichever guy steps outside, I'm going to take him. Whichever guy steps inside, you're going to take him. Whichever guy goes first, I'm going to take. Whichever guy goes second out of their releases, uh, if they, they push vertically at the same time, you're going to take. So there's ways that you can adjust that. Uh, but I think Miami really is enjoying having the opportunity to have their DBs playing off. And they're playing man coverage, but their eyes aren't on the man because they know because they're plus one, they're manufacturing so many hot throws where the ball has to come out immediately. They're reading the quarterback and they're reading his eyes, but it's still technically man coverage. So um, 
if they don't get home on that, that's where it becomes a problem. So that's where you look for rolling pockets or if they're going to try and, you know, bootleg or naked and all that kind of stuff. So that that's kind of what you have to be wary about that. But when they truly go with zero, um, they're really having a, a nice time right now with reacting and driving and triggering downhill and playing aggressive. Uh, Finns 93. Are you going to Sunday's game? A week ahead of time. Ghost of Adam Gates with a very pressing question. How do you spell Kobe Bryant? Is it with a K or a C? Uh, it is C-O-B-Y. Kobe Bryant, the cornerback from Cincinnati that was drafted in, I think it was Larry's mock draft that we touched on real quick. A-A-H, this is a fun one. What helps you out professionally more, watching on YouTube or listening to podcasts? What helps me out the most is you listening to this show, doesn't matter where, and tell a friend. That's what's going to help me out the most. And the, the growth, you know, I've been on this podcast for almost two years now. And the growth of this community since I've been a part of it has been really, really fun to see. It's been very humbling. And uh, I'm glad we have been rolling uh, through two seasons together. And I look forward to this offseason and what it's going to bring. Let me see here. AH. Okay, this is a fun one. What matters more, above average at a premium position or elite at a non-premium position? So this is kind of getting into a lot of my draft background, right? Um, I think elite at non-premium positions gives you a bit of an advantage from a team-building perspective because those players economically are not going to cost as much. Uh, so obviously if you were going to get a guy who was on a rookie contract, that changes things a little bit. Uh, but if you were building a roster and strategizing your spending and, and how you allocate your cash and your salary cap and how to build a roster, uh, elite players that played non-premium positions. And I would liken that to you know, safety and tight end. And, and with the trends of the game, these days, these players' positions are becoming more important, but their and their salaries are catching up to start to reflect that. But like, if you slap Mike Isecki with the franchise tag, it's not even eleven million dollars. So, and there's a whole conversation we had about what's going to happen with Mike Isecki based on you know his usage and during this this recent stretch, and they haven't made him any offers. It sounds like, and uh, they drafted Hunter Long in the third round, so that's kind of touch and go right now. And, and we'll hope to get some more clarity on that in the weeks and months ahead. Let me see here. Ben, Brandon Jones question. Does Brandon Jones have a Jamal Adams ceiling as far as blitzing capabilities go? Or is it strictly schemed pressure? So, yeah, I think Jamal's more physically dominant as a player, right? But But Brandon Jones is incredibly intelligent. And because of that, he's capable of doing a lot of hidden pressures, hidden opportunities. Uh, he plays his butt off, too. He is super tough, a lot of competitive toughness. He's not the elite high-level athlete. And I know Jamal Adams isn't super impactful when he's playing deep coverages, uh, and maybe you would associate that with being an elite athlete. Uh, Brandon Jones isn't that caliber of an athlete from a height, weight, speed perspective. Um, but he's he's super smart, and this is very much the kind of player that, you know, in a schemed pressure defense, 
uh, is going to have a lot of success for a long time, as evidenced by the production that he has uh, had to this point in time. Let me see. Looking for a couple more questions. Lots of wide receiver draft questions. Okay, so Braden wants to know, why do people hate Tua and never give him credit for plays he makes? I feel like he's shown a lot this year since he's been back. People are always going to have polarizing opinions on quarterbacks. And everybody, um, unless, unless you see Patrick Mahomes come in and do the things that Patrick Mahomes does early on and leaves no doubt, um, but it's tough because a lot of these guys, you're, you are making a leap in competition and you're being asked to run a different kind of offense than you did at, at the, co the college level. And you can't win in the same regard. And we see that with Tua, but you see that with a lot of quarterbacks where quarterback development is a very messy process and it takes time. And um, one thing that I have observed uh, through the time that I've spent in the draft realm is so much of quarterback success or failure isn't tied back to the player himself. It's tied to the ability of those around him to complement what he does, pull out the best things of it. And sometimes you'll bet that, hey, this style of play we can win consistently with, and you're wrong. Um, but a lot of the times it's extenuating circumstances like, some of these first round picks that don't pan out. And I understand like Jamarcus Russell being an example probably isn't a good one because Jamarcus Russell uh, didn't showcase a lot of commitment to the game once he got to the pros. Uh, so that's not the kind of thing that I'm going for here, but um, a lot of these guys were put in bad situations, asked to do too much too quickly and it developed bad habits. And that went back to one of the earlier questions that we had with, um, if a bad offensive line now is going to develop bad habits for Tua, and I haven't seen those warning signs yet. Um, but everybody has their own opinion on what it's supposed to look like. And I think for some people, the way Tua plays the game is not what they envisioned or hoped or expect a franchise quarterback to look like. What it develops and becomes from here, well, we'll, we'll see how the team does in continuing to improve that environment around him assuming they choose to do so. Let's get one more. Let's get two more. I lied, two more. Uh, Kyle, favorite piece of Dolphins memorabilia? That's tough. That is very tough. Um, I would probably say the throwback helmet. I've got up there is probably my favorite. My mom happened to come across that at a, um, a garage sale and picked it up for me. So it's, you know, my mom saw it and thought of me. So I appreciated that. And obviously the, the retro dynamic, the throwback. Um, so I'd probably say that the throwback helmet, I do have also a signed Dan Marino Jersey. Duh. Um, that's up there as well. Uh, last question. From Will, Kyle, 
Love the podcast. What are your thoughts on the whole offensive line issue? Do you think Greer needs to invest invest in the free agency market or in the upcoming draft? So I'm glad you asked this question. I would say this, regardless of who else they bring in, I think all the young pieces that you brought in need to stay. Uh, Austin Jackson needs to stay. Michael Dieter needs to stay. Solomon Kinley needs to stay. Robert Hunt needs to stay. The, you want to build an offensive line. Imagine if Austin Jackson goes from being your fourth best offensive lineman to your sixth or seventh best offensive lineman. Like you can get by if you have to play him for a stretch of time if you improve the product on the whole. But um, I don't think it would make a lot of sense for Miami to tear down and, and cast away some of these pieces that haven't worked because there is still an upside that's unknown with them. Um, but also to have a good offensive line, you need depth. You have to have depth. And you didn't draft Austin Jackson, just as an example, at 18 overall to be a depth piece on your offensive line. So that's I'd hope that you could hold a, a competition at left guard if you go out and you get a stud left tackle to play out there at tackle to anchor, and you got Michael Dieter uh, playing center and Robert Hunt at right guard. If you can have good guys on either side of him, you know, I would love to see him go out and win that competition. Um, but for my money, I want established NFL players on the offensive line. And I know I've mentioned that on the podcast for, before. So daily listeners, that might not be breaking news. But um, I think you have to know what you're getting. Because a lot of the investments that they've made have been high risk, high reward. Drafting Robert Hunt out of Louisville or out of Louisville, out of Louisiana was a roll of the dice when they did that in the top 40. Drafting Austin Jackson in the top 20 with his tape being what it was, was a roll of the dice. One of them manifested itself, has manifested itself already, and the other has not. Uh, the Michael Dieter pick in the third round is looking like a good one after the redshirt year last year. Um, the Liam Eikenberg investment. We'll we'll see where he ends up landing long term, but that has not been what they paid to go out and get. When you trade a two and a three to go up for an earlier two to get a guy and you're going to plug him in and you're starting offensive line, the expectation is a certain threshold of performance, and he has not met that. Like, and I was a guy who liked Liam relatively high coming out. I think it's also fair to say that they did not do him any favors when they handled him in the summer and in the early part of the fall. Um. But I want to know the caliber of the player that I'm getting at this point in time to finish that offensive line so you can look at it with confidence and say, hey, we did our due diligence here. Now we have depth because we still have all these young guys we pulled in, but now you got a couple of studs uh, to, to sprinkle in amongst it. The, the challenge is going to be there's going to be a lot of competition for those to fill those spots and how they beat the competition whether that's vastly overpaying in free agency, whether that's trading for a player that's under contract, whether that is through the draft, we'll have to wait and see. But that's going to do it. Nearly 40 minutes of Power to the Pod on a Thursday night on the YouTube channel. Make sure if you are here with us, and there was a bunch of you, uh, this is the second most I've ever seen on a live stream, so appreciate hearing from all you guys. Uh, like the video, hit subscribe on the channel. That way you get the notifications when we go live. I know these things at time can be a little impromptu, uh, but that really just depends on what time we're able to get the kid to bed at night. So um, 
Fins up. Appreciate you guys checking it out, tuning in. Don't be surprised if you get a Saturday episode. I'm just saying, keep your eyes peeled. You might get a sixth episode this week. Uh, fins up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins of Cow Craps. Thanks, as always, for watching and or listening. Make it a good one.